I'm Baz, and this is RuneQuest Year Zero. Let's have a look at some of these characters then, shall we? So, let's see. We've got in the box, there's 14 of these pre-gen characters, and they share a lot of things in common. So I guess I'll cover that bit first, then maybe get into some detail of the individual characters we go. Uh, physically, you've got an A3 sheet, but it's been folded in such a way that it appears to be A4. And so on the back, you've got a really, really good colour picture, painting of the character, um, and whatever sidekick they've got. <laughs> Almost all of these have got some kind of animal or companion of some way, and those things are labelled up. So they're really lovely pieces of art. And on their own, they do an awful lot to sort of colour in the setting, for me at least. Um, the other side, uh, that's kind of where the paper is folded. It ends up in like two halves. It's like a big kind of leaflet affair. It'll make a lot of sense if you see it. Um, the other side's got, I suppose, the front cover. It's got the name of the character down one side and some flavour text and some background on who they are. And I'll come to that bit in a minute when I do the individual stuff, I suppose. Underneath that is a how-to-play whatever character it is. It's four or five bullet points that gives you, at a glance, what this character is all about and, frankly, how to play it. This is genius. This is a really, really clever idea. If you think about how characters are handed out at tables, whether it be at a convention or you're playing with your home group or you're doing something online... I don't think it's ever been solved. Like, how do you go about picking these characters from these pre-gens? Very often it's dumped in the middle of the table and the GM says, uh, help yourselves. And then there's loads of frantic paper passing and people being polite to each other and what have you. And can you really tell from a character sheet what the character is about? Well, in some games you can. If you're playing D&D &D and you can say, I want to be the halfling thief or the halfling rogue, well, that makes a lot of sense. You can look at that kind of race and class combo. Now, RuneQuest doesn't have that. RuneQuest has a whole bunch of different levers to pull for your character. So how to play as a little bullet-pointed list is actually really useful, certainly for the noob, and that's, that's definitely a great point in its favour. On the other side of the front cover is some runes. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, that's good to see in a game called RuneQuest. You've got the elemental runes and you've got the power runes. The elemental runes I've discussed before, there's six of those. And then you've got your power affinities, and they're all paired off against each other as well, much like um, passions in Pendragon. Uh, so the character I've got in my hand is Dazarim Crescent Blade, and they have Truth at 90, and Illusion, its opposite, at 10. So the pairs have to add up to 100. This much I remember from the way that the game was explained in the rules section. So that's pretty cool. So I guess if you've got the thing closed up in front of you, if you're not like opening up for the mechanics, you've got... The uh, italicised sort of little potted history of the character. You've got how to play it, and you've got the runes, and you've got its picture. So that's pretty good. That, that seems like a pretty broad overview. Um, but it also puts runes front and centre. So I guess these things have got to be important. Right, let's open it up. Right, first thing to say is it's a really pretty sheet. It's really pretty. It's done in muted greens, uh, earthy colours... Uh, the typeface that's been chosen is super clear. It's very busy. There's an awful lot on here. So just to, and a character sheet can tell you so much about a game, can't it? So let's see. We've kind of got like two flaps because we've opened up the front cover now. So the flap on the left has got the statistics. 
So sort of from strength con size through its attacks, some hit locations, it's got armor and hit points on it, all of the derived attributes, a little track of the hit points, and we've got a nice, <coughs> excuse me, a nice little portrait, full body portrait of the character there with its hit locations on it. And they got the left and the right arm the right way around this time too. And it's not even a generic silhouette, it's legitimately a picture of the character, so that's very nice. The central part of the character sheet is taken up with skills and passions. That takes over the vast majority of the character sheet, actually. And that's laid out really well. It's all done in sections. So I can see my agility skills, my knowledge skills. Passions are included in there too. And those ones have got a bit of shade on them, so you can pick them out of the character sheet a bit quicker. And I think that's kind of where the character lives. That's the bit that makes it very individual, because I'm guessing I haven't got two to compare. I'll do that in a sec. But I would say probably the skill lists probably look identical, don't they? Apart from the numbers. But this bit is going to be unique to this character. Um, oh, on top of that, of course, it's got the big character name. Uh, it says what cult they're in. It says what their reputation is. And it says what their ransom is. So reputation and ransom are nice little uh, additions to the system. I say additions. They may well have always been there for all I know. But they're the sort of thing you don't always see in every fantasy role-playing game. So they're additions for me. Underneath that, on the central page, we've got um, uh, some stats for a companion here. So in this particular character's case, we've got a sable antelope called Savara. And uh, there's all the stats for the antelope. Very nice. Handy to have. Lost count of the number of times I've played some kind of character in other games that's got like a companion or a sidekick or, or whatever. Um, or can, for example, change shape into something else. And you have to go scurrying off to the books to find out what that means. So to have that on the character sheet is great. We've got some gear, treasure, and abilities next to that. So armor, gift, gas. Okay. So, for example, let's just take this character here, Dazarim Crescent Blade. Just happened to be the first one I picked up. Gift. His god Yelmalio protects Dazarim from fire. Half damage from all forms of fire. Well, very nice. I haven't seen gifts mentioned in the rules or have forgotten about them. I don't know where that comes from. This is one of the problems with not having character generation. It's like, where did this come from? Does everybody have a gift? Do some people have more than one gift? I guess I'll find out by reading the other ones. Underneath that is Gyas. Dazarin must challenge all darkness creatures on site to first blood or beyond. Similar. Sounds cool. Like the idea of that. Is this something that all characters have? It's the first time I've seen it referenced, and it's right there in the character. Okay. And then the last part is magic. So magic lives underneath the right-hand flap of the character sheet. It's got, where does it start? Common rune magic. So you've got all the common rune magic spells with page references, which is good. Then you've got the rune magic spells that are specific to this character. A rune point tracker, and then underneath that, spirit magic spells and a magic point tracker. So it's the two forms of magic. Um... That's really nice. It's a really, really pretty little character portfolio that you open out and it just re reveals more stuff to you. And I suppose it feels like it's a couple of weeks since I've been through the rules, but most of this I remember or it makes sense. And I think I could play from this with a, with a, a kindly GM and some kindly players to sort of give me some support as I went through this. I think I would probably be all right. I do have a couple of questions about some stuff, but I think I could probably just look that up myself. Um, I don't really know what the companion animal 
is capable of from an action economy point of view? Um, that's one question. There's spirit combat, which I can't remember glossing over at the time, so that would take some doing. And then there's the whole strike rank thing, which I probably just have to read a bunch more times before I really get it. But it does all make sense, and, and certainly from a skills point of view, that's all there. I could see that all works fine, and I reckon with those passions, well, those passions have helped answer a question I had about how easy is it to augment, where if you get the skill wrong, your skill can actually go down. It seemed like a bit of a hard bargain to me, but all of these passions are at 60s and 70%, which feels like a good, strong number. Um, I guess, can you have a passion that's like, 10%? How passionate are you about something if it's only 10%? <laughs> oh dear. Right, so that's what they all have in common. Now let's take a little canter through uh, some of the options that we have. I picked one at random to get going with. This is Dazarim Crescent Blade. Um, and I think, bear with me, I'm going to read everything that's on the right-hand side, all of the background. I know, I know, I know, people hate when this happens, but I think it's going to be useful. Just as one example, I won't do it for all the characters. Dazarim Crescent Blade, male, age 21, bandit of the Sable Rider tribe in Prax. I am Dazarim of the Sable Riders of Prax, and I'm proud to be a descendant of the great bandit king Patian, a legend among my people. Greatness is in my lineage. My mother was the bandit chieftain Loram, and she taught me more about riding and desert survival than you will ever learn. I am as at home atop my mount as I am on the ground, and can ride like the wind. I have ridden from one end of the Praxian wastelands to the other, and I have seen and done many things. I was there when Argraf and his allies summoned Jaden Goldentooth to acclaim him as the White Bull, and I and my fellow bandits rode alongside him against the Lunars at their new temple. There I fought demons and was near overcome, but I also survived that. Now I ride throughout Dragon Pass to see what I can see, to do what must be done. Stay clear of my sable, for its horns are as sharp as my sword. Okay, right, so cool. Uh, loads of stuff there that uh, references some of the history from Grandpa that I'm not totally aware of, but I'm getting into grips with. Uh, it's really interesting that the character's motivation, according to that bit that Dazarim says out loud, is to see what they can see and do what must be done. Care to vague that up a little bit more, Desirim? Anyway, then we get into the other bit of the background, so bear with, let's go through this. One of the animal riders of Prax, Desirim Crescent Blade, is a tall, lean desert nomad, rarely far from his mount, a beautiful crescent-horned sable antelope. His lineage is a mix of respected and common, claiming descent from Patian, a famous sable rider bandit about whom folk tales are told. His mother, Loram, was also a bandit and fought valiantly in both invasions of Prax, she told Dazarim stories about seeing the Lunar surrender to the Pap priestesses and the formation of the White Bull Society. Enthralled, Dazarim grew up in her bandit band, fighting and raiding among his clan folk. The Praxian wasteland is a wide and varied place. Dazarim was nearly slain by a band of tusk raiders. His raiders came across, causing him to develop an intense hatred for them, but he later met with a group of nomadic desert centaurs and pledged friendship to their leader. He was present when Jaden Goldentooth was summoned, and along with others of his bandit band, swore loyalty to Argrath himself. When Argrath fought alongside them at the new Lunar Temple, Dazarin was nearly driven mad by Lunar-summoned demons outside the new Lunar Temple. He has since recovered, but is wary of all Lunar sorcery. So that's really 
that's kind of a restatement of the bit that I read out before, isn't it? So you've got like a subjective statement and an objective statement. There's a lot of duplication in there. And I've got to say, did you start to drift off when I was reading that? There was a lot in it, wasn't there? There's a lot. And it's none of it is explained particularly. I don't know what half of this stuff means. I know I keep saying that all the time. I'm sure there'll be call-ins to explain all of this stuff. And I know I can look it up, but it's not in my starter set. I don't know what these things are. What is a pap priestess? Because if my character knows about it, but my player doesn't know about it, is that a problem? I think there's a lot on here. There's there's a bit of a trope in role-playing, isn't it? Like, oh God, don't tell me about your character. It could be the most boring thing to do ever. And pages and pages of background are, you know, usually that's seen as a bit gauche, you know? And I can get why. And there isn't pages and pages of this. And what there is sounds really evocative, but it's, it's opaque. And is it useful? It tells me that characters in RuneQuest have a rich and storied history and that ancestry is very important to everyone. But how actionable is that? When I read this, I started saying, male, 21, bandit of the Sable Rider tribe in Prax. That would be enough for me. And maybe I've just been brought up on games where you play to find out what happens and the story is something that kicks in when you start playing. I could get going with bandit of the Sable Rider tribe. All the other stuff, I'm concerned about how much of that is ever going to come out in play. So maybe I should look at this last section. How to play Dazarim. You are a proud Praxian nomad from the desert plains. You are smart and a good leader. However, your ability to communicate with the local barbarians is limited. You're very skilled with your copies, copis, and are better at parrying with it than your shield. Unfortunately, you have poor armour, so you're weak against missile weapons. Your strongest passions are your fanatical devotion and loyalty to the White Bull. Use this to augment skills when appropriate. Your rune magic helps you fight in the dark or underground. This is good, because you must challenge all darkness creatures on sight to First Blood or beyond. Your high truth rune means you despise lies and deception. You're a straight shooter and would rather say nothing than say something deceptive. There you go. So I've now read out everything that's on the front cover, barring the stats for the runes and what have you. And it's taken five minutes or so to do that. Not forever. I appreciate that. But it is a lot. I think there's a lot there. I like the how to play. That's a really nice section. I think the background stuff is interesting. Uh, but I don't know how important it turns out to be. And the inside of the character stuff, well, there's some stuff in there that definitely gives me an idea of what they are. I know that this fellow is an initiate of Yelmalio. They've got an antelope and they're from a family of bandits. Pretty cool. I would play that character. That one's going into my I might play that pile. And I think as I go through, and I'll go through the other ones much, much quicker, just an overview, I'm going to separate them into piles. Would play? Would not play? Yeah, I need a bit of convincing. So let's see what happens with the other ones. Vasana Farnan's daughter. Female, age 21, heavy cavalrywoman of the Ernaldori clan of the Kolimar tribe. Uh, so Vasana, uh, she's got a great picture. She's all decked out in her finery. She's got a cool-looking shield. It's a shape I don't even know what you would call it. It's like an apple with a bite out of each side. Um, she's got a bison. Molon is Vasana's bison. So the first character had an antelope. She's got a bison. 
Uh, she's 21 as well. I guess they're all a bit, you know, early 20s. There was a time when that seemed like the future. It's distant past now. Uh, Vasana's like the natural-born leader, apparently. She's got Charisma 19, which I guess is about as big as it gets. Uh, strong passions. High death rune makes her a warrior aesthetic. Ignores pain and pleasure. Uh, got a lance and loads of rune spells. So, dead fighty. Um, yeah. Uh, initiate of Orlanth, apparently. Uh, cult is Vinga Adventurous. Nope, me either. Uh, don't know what it is. Uh, she's got a ransom, so you can pay 500 lunas and, uh, to get her back. And she looks badass. So this is, this is the sort of character I normally go for, to be honest. Someone a little bit acrobatic. Uh, basically a black widow in Glorantha, by the looks of things. So she is going, Vasana Farnan's daughter, which I presume is her whole name, is going in the definitely wood play pile. Next up, we have another daughter, uh, Yanioth Verena's daughter. Female, age 23, so, you know, getting on a bit. Uh, she is apprentice priestess of Ernalda of the Ernaldori clan of the Kolimar tribe. All right, okay, so it looks like there's some links here. So, Vasana Farnan's daughter and Yanioth Verena's daughter seem to have a little bit in common. They don't look like they've got a lot in common because the character portrait for this one is super evocative. So this woman's running around barefoot with a uh, in a nice green dress that's uh, with a slit in it cut up to her thigh, revealing loads of blue tattoos, all sort of swirly uh, tribal markings. Uh, she's got a bow over her shoulder, and her companion is an earth elemental. Hello. Suddenly things got a little bit fantastic. Uh, her hair is all braided. She's got a dark complexion. And she looks like a sort of huntress kind of thing going on here. Anyway, what does it say about her? So she's a natural-born leader, Charisma 17. So slightly less than the previous character. Uh, but she's, uh, I think this is what we would we would call a healer. Plenty of healing magic. Socially unstoppable. Loads of strong passions. And apparently your earth elemental could be a game-changer. <laughs> high fertility and earth runes make you worldly and pleasure-seeking. With a high beast rune which puts you in touch with your base instincts. Okay. I can see this one being very strange indeed. Um, the character portrait on the inside with the hit locations is not exactly the same picture as is on, on the back, which is kind of cool, actually, so it's another view of the character. Um, I'm just looking at that Earth Elemental. I really don't know how that one works, but that's like a little character all of itself, but that's obviously a really big draw to this character. Um... Yeah. Is this one going on the definitely would play pile? Well, I'm not one of them. I don't normally play like your wizards and stuff in games, but everyone's got magic in this game. So, yeah, why not? Let's put that one in the would play pile. So we're three for three at the moment. Good times. Who's next? Harmast Baranthos' son. Harmast Baranthos' son. Oh, he's got riding zebras. <laughs> All right. Uh, male, age 21. Wealthy farmer of the Ernaldori clan of the Kolimar tribe. So, the Kolimar tribe and the Ernaldori clan are responsible for three of the characters so far. And the other one was from Prax, um, who's just arrived in Dragon Pass, if I remember. Because this is all set in Dragon Pass, isn't it? In Sartar, around there. Uh, so, the Praxian's kind of the outlier at the moment. And so, the last three have all been yeah, your Orlanthi type. So, what's this one? Let's see. He's an initiate of Isseries. Uh, they're the um, the communications guys, aren't they? 
They're like the O2 of Glorantha or something, I don't know, or merchants at least. Uh, I remember that because um, uh, Isseries was the name of one of the companies that published RuneQuest stuff for a while, I think. Okay, what can we say about Harmast? He's a chieftain's son, clever, good bargain and manage household skills. Nice. But with a charisma of only 10, people don't pay attention to you. <laughs> Uh, skilled melee fighter, he's got some armour relatively few hit points he's a duelist, not a brawler he's got harmony runes, he's a peacemaker you're not a particularly good rider can barely fight this whole list of how to play Harmas says do not play Harmas <laughs> he's rubbish <laughs> okay um, yeah he, he sounds like the sort of character just gets picked on by NPCs He's going in the not play pile. Sorry, Harmas. You're the first one. You've been rejected from uh, from from my island. Uh, who's up next? Vishy Dan. This one looks very different. This one's got a monkey. He's got a baboon. And his character art is definitely different to the others. He looks like a wild, grizzled shaman of some sort, dressed in blues, covered in paint, barefoot. Uh, but with a white baboon, and a baboon is called Cousin Monkey, and is clutching a spear. Vichy Dunn, male, age 21. That was a busy year, 21 years ago. Uh, he's the assistant shaman of the Blue Llama clan of the High Llama tribe in Prax. Oh, okay, so he's from across the mountains as well. So he's from the, the other page of the map. The Blue Llama clan. That sounds cool. Assistant shaman. <laughs> is that some kind of office politics? He's the deputy assistant to the assistant high chief. How to play Vichy Dunn. Proud Praxian nomad. Smart, good leader, but is your magical power that really shines. All right. Very passionate to Argrath. Not good in melee. No armor. Spirit combat dead good. Can communicate with local barbarians in a limited way. Speak slowly and loudly. That won't get annoying. High death rune. Lets you enjoy pleasure and pain. Your high man rune means you care about Praxian customs and society. Cousin Monkey is wonderful fun. Play up his antics. Yeah, fun. One person's fun is another person's annoyance when it comes to like bringing a monkey to the party, I find. Um, but Vichy Dunn is an initiate of Waha. Uh, no, can't remember. Um, but Praxian. So from... Not from around these parts. Um, okay. Got a llama as well. That's not pictured on the back. He's got a monkey and a llama. The monkey and the llama might just swing it. But the exotic rune magic, spirit magic, all that stuff, and the not-from-around-these-parts element of being a Praxian who doesn't fight puts him in the maybe pile. Maybe. It's the monkey that did it. Vostor, son of Pygeem. Oh, hello. Flipping this over. Vostor, he's a very angry man. He's got a crescent shield, which is very colourful. He's charging into battle. He's got a fire elemental. Nice. Okay. He's an uh, initiate of the Seven Mothers. And what do we know about Vostor, son of Pajim? He's male. He's 21 years old, of course. Heavy infantry soldier from Dunstop in Luna Tarsh. Oh, right. Now, I did, I did some looking up on Luna Tarsh. So this is in the top left-hand corner of the map. <clears throat> So this is the bit that the Lunars have been holding or retreating from. Um, anyway, what's it say here? How to play it? Oh, it says he's a Lunar soldier. He's joined with his former enemies. 
decide which of the other characters is the leader and support them like a good soldier should. Oh, that's interesting. That could be some good dynamics in the party. Or it could go horribly wrong. You're an all-round tough soldier. Good skills, good damage, good armour, good hit points. Okay. So with the Lunar Empire, it says you're a mess of contradictory passions. Reflexively loyal to the Red Emperor. And ability to communicate with the local barbarians is limited. Speak slowly and loudly. If they don't understand you, repeat it slower and louder. Right, so this is one of those wild cards, isn't it? It looks like it might be fun to have that in a party. Um, oh, I suppose this brings me back to the, the whole question about what do you do in Glorantha, though. Maybe the idea of a party where everybody's after a common goal is wrong. Maybe I'm coming to that with some... Well, I'm prejudging that. Maybe that's not what happens in Glorantha. Maybe it's okay to have inter-party rivalry squabbles and or, or whatever. I don't know how, how this guy fits into... The other barbarian types that I've seen, I don't know. So, Vostor, son of Pygeme, you've got a fire elemental, and you've got an interesting backstory. So you're going in the middle pile along with Vichy. You're not a must-play just yet. Sarala, daughter of Toria, is up next. <coughs> Excuse me. She does not appear to have a little companion on the big portrait on the back, although she has got a fake beard made out of gold. So that is that. And she's carrying a crystal little dragon statue in one hand. She looks surly. Uh, she's the daughter of Toria. Sorala, daughter of Toria. Female, 21 years old. A scribe from Notchet in Ezrolia. So she's a scholar. All right. Uh, initiate of the Lancor Mai. Oh, yes, I remember those. Those are like your librarians, aren't they? Um, she is incredibly smart. Intelligence, 20. Wow. So that's maxed out on intelligence, isn't it? So she's the smartest thing in, in the world, right? Good fighter, decent armour, knowledge skills broad, can read three different languages, loyalty to Argraf, the Queen of Ezrolia, devotion to the God of Knowledge. Magic's mainly about obtaining information. You're from the biggest city of the world, very civilised and cultured, high truth rune. Right, so she's an investigative character. That's interesting. She's got some sorcery, actual sorcery. So rune magic, sorcery... Okay, so very interesting. What I guess what you would call a support character in other games. Um, but yeah, very interested in that. So she's going in the I would play, I think. Yeah, why not? Why not? Next up, Varakos Wolfkiller. <laughs> so he just... <laughs> yeah, he looks like he stepped out of Warhammer and got himself covered in bronze instead of silver. He's got a wolf round his shoulders. Uh he looks like he's seen a few fights. Wolf pelt cloak, pair of swords, covered in scars, and he's called Varakos Wolf Killer. <laughs> oh dear, I wonder if he's all about social combat. Uh, he's male, age 21, don't you know? Heavy, heavy infantry soldier of the Olmarth clan of the Kolimar tribe. Oh right, so Kolimar tribe, seen that before. Olmarth clan I think is different to the other one. So different clan, same tribe. How to play Varakos. You are a killing machine with a sword in both hands. <laughs> okay. Your strongest passions are honour and hate Lunar Empire. Cast Blade Sharp 2 before fighting. You've got a high death rune. Okay. <laughs> I think this guy's picture says it all. Initiative of Humact. Right, okay. Point and fire, I think, with this character. This character's all right. 
This character's okay. I think it probably comes up across as a bit one-dimensional in the way I've spoken about it. So he's going to go in the middle path. It's not in a wooden not play, um, but the other ones that I've put in the wood play are a little bit more interesting, I think. Varakos Wolf Killer, yeah. All right, Varakos, calm down. Uh, who's next? Naras Rune Painter. So the character portrait of this is a woman uh, heavily tattooed. She's got tattoo implements as well that are painted beside her. Uh, she's carrying weapons, and uh, but not armoured. Let's find out what's, what's going on with Naras Rune Painter. She's an initiative of Irmal. And she's human, as they all are so far. Um, ah, human. Uh, the rest have been labelled as male or female. She's labelled as human. Okay. 21. Tattoo artist of the necropolis in Ezrolia. A tattoo artist? Interesting. How to play Narrows. You're a sacred trickster, with a capital T. Mock the assumptions and pretensions of others. Parody excessive seriousness and deflate pomposity. So... <laughs> You get to make fun of and be round, rude to other people. Uh, mediocre fighter, but with a good dodge skill. I think that will come in handy. Good communication and stealth. Lots of passions and loyalties. High water rune makes you mercurial and changeable. Okay. So she's uh, they are one of those characters who seeks to annoy, wind up. Um, yeah, okay. Rune magic, rune spells... And lots of tattooing stuff. I, do you know what? The best thing about this is the name Narez Rune Painter and a really good character portrayal as well. Narez looks like they could be really interesting or would be drummed out of the party in five minutes if they play up that trickster stuff too much. Let's see. There's going in the middle pile. You're going next to Varakos Wolfkiller. Careful. He looks angry. Makarios, son of Therassa. Male, age 21. Healer from Clearwine, member of Olmarth clan of the Colimar tribe. Oh, okay. Wow. Flipped over to the back to look at this one. And this is a really interesting painting of a character. Robed, barefoot, looks almost Roman with the robes that they've got. Scrolls, bottles, and satchels at their waist. But most importantly, a bloody great snake coiled around their neck. And a huge scar down one side of their face. Arms all covered in tattoos. Did I mention the massive green snake? So Makarios, son of Tharasa, is an initiate of Chalana Aroy, has a companion serpent called Whisper. Okay. How to play Makarios. Uh, it's a healer, pacifist, sworn to non-violence, uh, passions of love, devotion and loyalty to various things, powerful healing magic, can I actually resurrect the recently killed? Got harmony, sleep. Very practical, but a pacifist. There's always someone, in my experience, who wants to play a pacifist or a healer. This would be like your cleric choice, wouldn't it, in your basic D&D? &D? Except everyone's a cleric in this game. Um, interesting. Big snake, pacifist. How far do you get as a pacifist in this world, I wonder? It's always interesting, you know. I've read the rules. There's a lot in there about combat. Is the pacifist not, not playing at that point? Difficult one. And because of that, and my experience with, with pacifists in role-playing games, I'm going to put it in the I-wouldn't-play pile, but I'll tell you what, I bet that's a really popular choice with some players. There's always somebody who wants to play that. It's just not for me. Okay. 
Um, right, who's next? We're nearly at the end now. Aranda of Notchet. I keep wanting to say Nochet, as if it's French, but I bet it's Notchet. So Aranda comes with a riding horse. Looks like Achilles in the painting with a dirty great tumble-handed axe. Closed helm, all bronze, looking badass. Female, age 21, axe maiden of the Hulter clan in Ezerolia. So she is skilled with axe and shield, good armour, good hit points, ancient noble family from the biggest city in the world. Um, despite being a sacred killer, she is cultured and civilised. Initiate of Babista Gore. I remember Babista Gore. They're like a vengeance cult, aren't they? Because it's got a kind of name that sticks with you. So she's a, a, a nutter with an axe, essentially. Uh, high death rune, yeah. High earth rune, high status rune. Yeah, so noble death warrior. Uh, happy days. Straight into the wood play pile. Next, Mago the Fierce. Mago the Fierce, son of Barossus. And even more Achilles-like in the painting on the back here. Proper plumed helm, shield across the back. Leather strip skirt. Uh, sword, axe. They've all got facial scars, these guys. Male, age 21. A mercenary soldier from Wilmskirk in Sartar. So this guy is apparently uh, exceptionally smart, skilled warrior, an initiate of Stormbull, which is a cool name. Better on the offensive, average armour and hit points. Lots of passions. Basically, though, berserker is the word that leaps out at me. Really good with fighting chaos, uh, summoning and commanding your small small air elemental is possible. Oh, and the best communication skill he has is intimidate. Oh, so he can summon an air elemental. The air elemental is not listed on the inside. That's a miss. Because uh, I don't think I've seen it referenced anywhere else. And the other people who did have elementals had the stats for those elementals inside the character sheet. So Mago the Fierce... Uh, we may not know what to do with your little air elemental, but I have a feeling that you'll still have plenty to do. So you go in the might play. Might play. And we move into our last couple of characters. Ayanara, granddaughter of Theralda. Brings her horse to the party. Uh, big tall hat. <laughs> the hat's got a horse on the top. I think she really likes horses. Uh, she is female, age 21. Priestess of the pure horse people in the Grayslands. Okay, so she is all about horses. She's a priestess of Marangor. Thousand Lunar Ransom. Uh, her riding horse is all statted out. Uh, she's smart, charismatic leader. And I think we've had two or three of those now, so there's lots of leader choices in this. She incarnates the destructive aspects of the Earth Goddess. Good fighter with Mason Shield. Strongest passions, devotion to Marin Gore and to the Feathered Horse Queen. It says here, this will require role-playing to work into games. Okay, tell me more. Oh, no, you're not going to? Okay. Uh, runes of Conflict, Straight Shooter. Okay. So, really horsey. Um, requires role-playing to get some of those passions and loyalties into the game. I'm putting it in the too much hard work pile, to be honest. Sorry, Ayanara. Don't think I would play you. And we're on to the last one now. So the last one is Nathem, son of Nian. And the character portrait here makes him look quite Celtic, I suppose. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, looks like a hunter. Bow and arrow. Has a shadow cat companion called Rurik. Rurik? Now, wasn't Rurik the name of the sample character in Ring Quest 2? 
Don't say I don't spot the Easter eggs. <laughs> Poor old Nathem is crippled immediately because he's male, aged 34. All right, granddad. <laughs> That's a good 10 years older than anybody else in the pre-gens. So he's like the old man and is still 20 years younger than me. Oh, goodness me. Uh, Hunter from the Hendali tribe in Old Tarsh. Obviously, he's an outsider as well, by the looks of it. How do we play Nathem? Fight with bow, good perception skills. Mediocre in melee. Rune magic makes you very strong or larger and give you armour. And you can use claws. Your shadow cat Rurik is a stealthy sidekick. High beast rune means you're better with animals than people. Passion is strong about your kin back in old Tarsh. That may require some role playing to work into play. Mm, okay. I am interested in this character because it's, it's basically a ranger, as far as I can tell in my language. Initiate of Odalia. Um, but it's very outsidery. And the weird thing is that as an outsider, that makes it easier for me to get to empathise with. So in a strange way, a character doesn't have a huge amount of connections to the, to the current setting or the location of the adventures. Because I can see it's all going to be around Johnstown, obviously, isn't it? So if you're away from there, 10 years older than everybody else, better with animals than you are with people, this would appear to be, for me, this is it's going on to my must-play. I think it's a fairly ordinary character in lots of ways, but it seems like one that I can empathise with as, as an outsider to grab them. So at the end of that, we've been through 14 characters. Three of them have hit my no-thanks pile. Uh, three of them have hit my oh-yes-please pile. And the rest are in the middle, I don't think that's a bad strike rate, actually. I think that's pretty good. They've all got something to recommend them. I think I think you have to spend your time with these because all of that background stuff, I think, is quite important. And without any takes five minutes, there are 14 of these. So that's over an hour's reading for your 14 characters. And that's be before you get to the mechanical stuff that you want to know. These are not simple characters. They're not simple at all. They are deep. They are rich. And they are complex, which I'm fine with, but I wonder if that's right for a starter set. I think as I go through this, I keep asking myself the same question: What does starter set even mean? Is it some? Is it something for people who are brand new to role playing games, or is this starter set really for people who know what role playing is and are probably transitioning in from either another fantasy role playing game or from an older edition of RuneQuest? It's difficult to know what to say about this stuff just yet, so. Let's see what comes up. But those 14 characters are a really good spread. I don't know why they all have to be 21. That's just annoyed me, really. With, with two exceptions, they're all 21 years old. Does that mean that there's a big old life path system that I'm not seeing where you can generate people in their 50s and 60s? Or is it that people don't live that long in Glorantha? Or am I making too much out of it and it's just 21's just standard? There's a mixture of male and female, which is great, and one non-binary by the looks of it, which is also super cool. Uh, and loads of them have got a companion or a mount or something like that, which is also great, but I don't know how to use them in the game. So it's a, it's a really interesting set of characters. If you drop them onto a table and say who wants to play what, I don't think people have got a huge amount to go on if they're as new to RuneQuest as I am. So I guess we need to take these to the next level, which is going to be book three. Interesting. 
Right, time for some call-ins now. I really appreciate that people have taken the time to press that button, leave me a message. Um, it's amazing to hear that people are listening. Um, we've got over a 1,000 downloads of this silly little podcast so far. So there's plenty of mileage left to go as well. So um, thank you ever so much for phoning in. Uh, here's some messages coming up with some quick answers as well. Um, you know how to do it. Send me more. It's one of my favorite bits of the show. Um, see you on the other side. Hey, Baz. Enjoying the podcast. Um, I would class myself as a RuneQuest veteran from back in the day with RuneQuest 2. Uh, we always played BRP, whether Stormbringer, RuneQuest, Cthulhu. So as a returnee from the Deep Freeze, uh, straight away started with RuneQuest Clarantha. Um, I think back in the 80s, we didn't have all the materials. You know, you couldn't find them. So so we made our own. You know, you didn't have the internet. You didn't have all the source books. Um, and I think that's part of the problem now. There is so much out there. Um, I think your point around John's, Johnstown's valid, uh, you know, and it's kind of reflecting of the, the weird beardy roots of RuneQuest. And the world's moved on, you know. Um, in terms of mechanics, it's now why we're on Mithras, aka RuneQuest 6, rather than RuneQuest Clarantha. It's slicker uh, and a lot of innovation and a bit cleaner. Um, and I'm out of time. Just to follow on, I didn't realise how quick that minute was going to be. Um, you should have a look at Mithras as part of your review. It, went, it shows the way RuneQuest could have gone. Um, and I would just add to that v virtual tabletop support. I think this is a big issue. For Chaosium, I think they've been really slow to get that off the ground. There's not much out there. Um, we're in the age of the plague. Most people are playing online. Uh, and if you think of some of the mechanics and some of the trickier things, opposed roles and so on, um, you know, there's a lot of room for innovation there. You know, and if you look at, say, what Warhammer's done on Foundry, um, it's night and day. And I can't help but think that drives a lot of the sales. Anyway, enjoying the podcast. Keep up, Baz. Looking forward to your next one. Thank you. Thanks, Tentacled Whisperer. Uh, can I call you Tentacled or is it formerly Mr. Whisperer? <laughs> Thanks for your double call there. Really appreciate it. Yes, yeah, so a couple of things to pick up on there. Um, I'll go backwards. VTT stuff. I am surprised. I've not looked, but I'm surprised if there's not a huge amount of stuff available for RuneQuest on virtual tabletops. Like many people for the last couple of years, the majority of my gaming has been online. Um, I've played Foundry. I've played a lot of Roll20. I've never been looking for RuneQuest. I assumed it was pretty much set up. Um, part of this project will be to actually play this game, and I will be looking for players, and I will be looking to run it online. Um, so that's definitely something that's going to go into the must-research-for-future file. Uh, right next to the Mithras file. So Mithras is something I'm aware of. I know that the history of RuneQuest publications does get a little bit complex sometimes. I reckon there's probably a good flowchart around somewhere. But I'm aware of Mithras and um, and the stuff that Loz and Pete have done for that. So that's going up on the shelf as well. Wow, this podcast gets longer and longer. The more I record, the more I have to do. Thanks for your calls. Howdy, Baz. It's Hyperlexic again. Uh, and you've remarked in a couple of different sections around uh, sort of some pedestrian aspects of RuneQuest. And I think what it really comes back to for me is that there's a tension between RuneQuest and Glorantha. RuneQuest was a system that kind of predated 
Barantha, uh, written by folks from the Society for Creative Anachronism to simulate, you know, a very pedestrian world of, you know, medieval combat. And Barantha comes from the brilliant mind of a wild shaman, <laughs> you know, and it's always been in my mind a kind of a, a you know, sort of a tense marriage, um, you know, and, uh, you know, of course, Robin Laws tried to solve that with Hero Wars Hero Quest. That was hard for people to grok. Uh, and I think we kind of live in that tension, basically. Yeah, thanks, Hyperlexic. <laughs> tense marriage. You can see that, can't you? Um, I mentioned a couple of minutes ago about the convoluted publication history of RuneQuest. The convoluted publication history of Glorantha. They're all, sometimes in parallel, sometimes together. It's going to take a little bit of unpicking. It's really good to hear from people who were around back in the day to see how that system has flexed or not flexed, or changed, or come back again. Um, coming at it reasonably cold, you can definitely see there is some trad-as-anything stuff going on in the current RuneQuest. It is almost like it's been in the deep freeze. There's a lot of technology has happened in gaming over the last 20, 30, 40 years, um, which is not present in this game. Now, that's feature bug territory, obviously, isn't it? Um, and I guess the proof will be in the play. And speaking of which... Looks like we're going to get into the scenarios next time. So that's enough for today. That's enough for this cast, I think. Uh, in danger of running on too long. So next up, we're going to get into the uh, into the solo game, the solo quest. I'm excited to see whether it all starts to come together in actual play. Hope it does. Thanks again for your call-ins. I'll see you next time on RuneQuest Year Zero. Bye!